This is The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's the Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. We're hanging out with our friends at Homey. We're here at the Salt Palace for Silicon, uh, Silicon Slopes as it <laughs> wraps up. Don't laugh at me, Katie. It's a little innocent slip of the tongue. I've done worse. Silicon Slopes, better. Hanging out with Homey. Check them out, homey.com, buying, selling. Uh, whether it's a refi that can help you, they're doing the new Homey Cash, which is uh, really, really cool. We're going to talk some uh, Utah Jazz basketball coming up here momentarily with our friend David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He and Boone are already in mid-season form doing terrific work on the broadcast as always. And uh, we'll talk to him about uh, what he saw in the preseason, his thoughts going into the regular season, and what he expects uh, out of this Jazz basketball team this year, which... uh, we had Scotty on earlier in the show in the 2 o'clock hour, and we asked him what were realistic expectations for this Jazz team. And he said, you know, finishing at the top of the West and going to the Western Conference Finals. And I, I agree with him. It doesn't mean that, uh, of course, it will automatically come to pass, but I would not say that that is not realistic to expect coming off the year last year where they did in the league and they took everybody by surprise and they won't have that luxury this year but also think they're capable of playing uh the way that they played last year and it's unfortunate that uh, it ended a little sooner than a lot of jazz fans hope and hoped and going up against the clipper team that was a little short-handed and some folks are critical about a lack of adjustments but really you don't let that get in cloud how good the team was last year how well they played when they were playing at their best and i certainly think it's reasonable to expect more of that going into the regular season this year now maybe things will look a little different Maybe rotations will be a little bit different. Maybe they will choose to sit players uh, strategically as the season goes along. And they have, in my opinion, added depth to this roster to make themselves a little bit more equipped to do those sorts of things. And you see some of the young guys playing well, too. Obviously, top of that list would be uh, Jared Butler, who I think was the story of the preseason, how well that he played. And you would think that uh, this Jazz team is going to be pretty equipped to be a really And I realize that that's not going to be, you know, how this team is defined. They're at a level where you have to go out there and get it done during the playoffs. But there's a lot of games before we get to the playoffs. And I think this Jazz team has the capable uh, capability of doing a lot of winning before they get to that playoff test. So let's get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. Utah will be in drought next summer. Smart Rain knows that 2022 budget planning for most businesses is coming soon. Take advantage of their Save Now, Pay Later promotion and do your part by saving water while saving money. Check Best of State Award winner Smart Rain at smartrain.net. He is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He's our friend David Locke. David, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing great. Uh, you and Ron sound great already. Uh, you guys uh, seem like you're in mid-season form. I think it's it's just the juice. You guys are back out on the road and with the team. It's sounding good. 
It's been fun. Uh, play, you know, I've used the preseason the same way uh, the players have. I've fiddled around, as you know, I think probably sitting with Lacombe. I've mentioned it to him. Like I've played around with different styles and different feels and different techniques and try to feel what's right for the right time. So it's um, no, there's no. It's you, you. You use the preseason as an announcer the same way as they do the regular season. I guess it, I better have to be ready now here for soon. So, David, what is the story of the preseason? What's the biggest story in the preseason in, you, uh, in your mind? I thought the veterans buy-in, right? I thought Jordan Clarkson, Donovan Mitchell, all of them, but, like, Mike Conley, really, you could see what Quinn Snyder had asked them to do, um, what they were, what they were tr- you know, what they were trying to execute um, was, was clear. Clarkson played incredibly fast. Donovan pushed it. Mike got out in front. You know, trying to play that same quick style that they played last year, maybe even more accelerated. I thought that was was really clear. Yet at the same time, you saw the ball move. Um, so I thought that the veterans, by it, I know that fans want to talk about Jared Butler and they want to get excited about all the new flavor of the month. And it's certainly fun when your ice cream store has something new. But the fact of the matter is, ice cream stores live by chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. And our chocolate, vanilla, um, in strawberry is you know our seven man rotation uh, at the top of the and that's who's going to make us win or lose this year and so as much as it's fun and it looks like Jared Butler is going to be able to contribute and you might want to choose that as the storyline of the preseason in my mind the storyline is that the veterans bought in have played hard have played with focus seem to be free from the scars of the post seasons of the last two years and uh, and really. Uh, that to me is far more important than any of this other stuff because that's what's going to determine this season. Uh, by the way, our, our guy Travis Russ says hi. He's uh, he's what? right here. He's got the booth right across from me. Uh, yeah, our boy Blue is down here. That's what I'm saying. He just came where, over where and gave are me you, the knuckles because the they're breaking it down. So I thought... I'm at uh, I'm at the Salt Palace, Silicon Slopes, down here with Homie, and oh. uh, he's uh, he's working for Franklin Covey, which is right across from me. It was a pleasant surprise running into our guy. Oh. Does he want to run jazz games again? <laughs> I, I thought about asking him that. <laughs> I don't know. He looks like he's got a pretty good gig going. So anyway, he uh, just he came over dude. and, and uh, said goodbye to me. So I thought, oh man, one of one of the best. You uh, you certainly have that right. Um, so David. I agree with you about uh, about the main guys, and if the Jazz are going to go to the next level, you know it's Donovan and Rudy who get better. It's the, the 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 most effective way to get there. But let me ask you this: for Donovan Mitchell to take the next step, and granted that this is a, a really difficult one because he's already really good, but to go from All Star to first team All NBA, what would Donovan Mitchell have to do or add to his game? First team All NBA might be close to impossible because of who the other players in the league are. If that makes sense, like as, like Donovan probably wouldn't agree with me on this, but if I'm going to go, if Donovan's going to make first team, to me there are. I'm just, I think they've gone kind of positionless on first team All NBA. But aren't there five guys that are first-team All-NBA before we even start the year? Like Giannis, Steph, Luka, Durant, LeBron, right? 
Okay. So that's before I count. Not possible to break into that conversation then? I, I, I mean, that's before I count Jokic or Lillard or I don't Zion if he ever plays or James Harden or I mean there are eight Joel Embiid like there's eight or ten guys in this league that are up at the peak of top ten like you know if Donovan can add two free throws in one three a game and increase some efficiency and lead us to wins I think he gets into a, a rarefied air conversation um, but first team All NBA in the way this league is loaded. I mean, my biggest takeaway from the preseason, honestly, was how great Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo were. Like that just was the. I thought the other one I would say in regards to the preseason, um, and I was actually talking to my wife about this today, is the tiers of the league are so incredible, right? So, and what I mean by that is. Those two guys I just talked about certainly are like Doncic. I thought Doncic and um, uh, Giannis were just better than anybody else I saw. Like I just, I just thought they looked better than anyone else I saw. And then there's the next tier, which is like the really good players and the stars. And then all of a sudden, there's the tier of guys that aren't regular players. So as good as, you know, Mia Oni and Elijah Hughes of our team look, but there's just a really obvious gap from those players to the then from what the regular players. And then there's the next tier below that, which is the Derek Alston Jr., you know, juniors and, and guys we saw there. So I, I thought that was as much as anything in the preseason as eye-opening is just how obvious those tiers are of talent. And... You know, for Donovan to become a first-team All-NBA player means he's got to break into Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, LeBron James land. That's 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 a different tier than Donovan's been at at any point in his career. David Locke with us, uh, ninety-seven five and twelve eighty, the zone. Let me ask you if this is is a reasonable expectation of Donovan Mitchell. Not that this would get him to first team, but I was really encouraged with his defense against the Pelicans, and so was Rudy Gobert. And I felt like with Donovan's post game comments, he felt encouraged to me. Can Donovan get to the point defensively where maybe he's not guarding the other team's best player for the entire game, but can he get to the point defensively where he gives you spurts where he gives the other team's best player fits, right? Can he have stretches where he really gives Damian Lillard, for example, a hard time? Is that reasonable to expect out of him? Maybe for a possession or two, but they're there aren't a lot of guys that are being asked to carry 26 points a game that are being asked to do that. You know, Giannis is probably the closest to it. He just plays with such tenacity. I mean, I think that the lesson out of Giannis last night was look how hard the two-time MVP NBA champion was playing, diving on the floor in the, in the game last night. Um, he was just marvelous. And I talked to somebody at halftime who, you know, of, who's, you know, in the, organization was like, I hope our guys are taking notice because that if you're going to win this thing, that's what you've got to get through is that right. And, and, you know, Giannis, you know, I thought Giannis was incredible last night. I think they were like plus 16 when Giannis was on the floor in the 21 minutes last night, it was, his impact was real. Um, 
And so I thought, you know, I think that's what you're – I don't think I could ask him to guard Dame or, or do one of the – that's just – there's not a lot of guys in this league that do that. Frankly, LeBron doesn't do it anymore. Dame doesn't do it. Harden doesn't do it. Not, none of the guys who um, uh, who, do, who do those things did that. But I think, you know, can he at times – and can he just be better than he was last year? I mean, that Clipper game is is brutal, but he's also on half an ankle, so it's really hard to tell. David, curious to your thoughts on the Kyrie Irving situation and what Brooklyn should or should not do. Uh, I'm not listening to basketball players for medical advice. That would be my first takeaway. Um, but on either side, like I'll listen to doctors and science for my medical advice. Um, and then, um, I think we'll, I think this is, there's a lot of grandstanding going on right now and a lot of words, and I think it'll end pretty quickly. Too much money involved? Yeah, basically. And I just, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I can't speak. I don't know. Kyrie's done a lot of, let's not, let's not forget some of the stuff Kyrie has done, which is he's been very philanthropic and he's done a lot of actually really important things in various communities and he's a very unique bird. Um, and, I, you know, that's been the story on him. He's like, you know, it's funny, he's the only one guy in the world who's not like playing for, with LeBron and that's, you know, that's Kyrie. Um, but so he's, a, you know, he's a different guy, but he also has donated, you know, he's done an incredible amount of charity. He's probably done as much charity work as a lot of players in the league. I mean, I think he if I remember correctly, like he donated a million and a half dollars to WNBA players who were sitting out the season a few years ago. He's really pretty incredible. If you just do a Google search on Kyrie Irving donates, it's endless. Um, so, um, you know, I, you know, we, there, there, I don't want to make him sound like he's grandstanding with insincerity and di- discredit the fact that I think he gave half a million dollars to Feed America at one point in time. I just think you can be, you can really jump into these like moments and, and over characterize a guy in a cr- incorrectly. And I don't want to do that. I just feel like it's a lot of, a lot of noise right now that usually means we're coming to a conclusion. Ben Simmons came to his senses and realized that he didn't want to lose several hundred thousand dollars per game that uh, that he missed. Um, what do you think about how that story is playing out, and what's the likelihood he's on the Sixers after the trade deadline? Um, you know, I thought Antonio Daniels, that was on a Locked On Insider thing, made a really interesting comment. He made the comment that locker rooms are forgiving. Players are, are very understanding to each other, and the locker rooms are very forgiving. But players are not very forgiving outside of the locker room. So I thought that was a, you know, here's a guy who clearly has been in in locker rooms and and spent his career there 14 years in the league. So you don't know who Antonio Daniels is. He's now also on SiriusXM and the Pelicans um, uh, announcer. So, I mean, he's been around for... um, He's been around for a long time and gets it. And I just thought that was a super interesting comment in regards to the way in which you view it. So internally in the locker room, he figures they'll be fine. Um, But once it gets to Doc Rivers in the front office and some of the way they've dealt with things, um, I don't think that they were – I don't think they're fine. 
Um, the other one I would say is that the truth of the matter is that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons do not complement each other's games. And if you saw Ben's, uh, Joel Embiid's first five minutes against Brooklyn the other night on the day in which I think Ben Simmons announced he was coming back, it was one of the most awesome arrays of plays I've seen by a big man in the league. Now, it was a preseason game, and you know, but it was... He played eight minutes, and he scored 14 points and had three assists. Like, find that game on NBA.com and go watch the first quarter of that game. It's insane what he was the work he was putting in on people. And it was a message, right? I mean, it was, a, it was an absolute message that I'm better without this guy around. He opened the game with a three. He then busted another three um, shortly thereafter. Um then he came in with an, you know, a post move for an 11-footer. Then he came in with a turnaround jumper. Then he went post move power. Then he hit who's, uh, cork mods for a three, if I remember correctly. I mean, it was just silly. It was like 15-7, to seven and Joel Embiid had like contributed all 15 points. And the fact is we saw Ben Simmons without Joel Embiid against us, and he was amazing. So um, it, it was – they don't. They don't complement each other on the floor. That that that's the reality of the, that situation. You know, if you look at the contrast, just using our backyard, there's so much talk about Donovan and Rudy and all that. I don't care if they're getting along on or off the court. They be- complement each other beautifully on the court. And everything I've heard about Joel and Ben is that they actually get along really well off the court, but they just don't complement each other on the court at all. David, with your Bay Area ties, does that mean you're a Giants guy? Oh, oh yeah. This is this is serious stuff. Tonight. So uh, you're nervous? You ner- Yeah, they're so good. <laughs> they're so good. Would- like it's not it's not fair. They're so they're so good. It's it should be illegal. You shouldn't have teams that have that much talent on it. Um, the only thing that makes me not nervous is, you know, if you were to tell me I have one game. If I have to try to win, if I'm a fan and I'm going to try to beat the Dodgers, like I'm glad it's not a seven-game series, I guess is what I'm saying, right? In the sense that I'd rather not have to try to beat them two out of the next three. I don't think there's any chance you could do that. But we, the Giants have done a good enough job to get it down to one to one game, and with you know one game, they have a shot. There's There's a possibility with one game that things could go right, the ball bounces, there's luck involved. And that they could win, but if those and the and the Giants were great this year, they were very you know to me, they truly reminded me of the um, of the Jazz. I actually think the Giants are the Jazz. I just hope it ends differently. Um, so, I, I uh, the, the, it's just it's just stupid. Like, how many All Stars can you have in in one lineup, and how many Cy Youngs can you have pitching? I mean, it's just stupid. If they win tonight, they're winning the World Series. Just don't, like, we could stop. We can stop playing at that point. The only scenario where they don't win the World Series is that the Giants got them in a short series. Or the Cardinals were to beat them on in a one-game series. That's the only way you can beat this team. But seven games, everything else from here is seven games. There's no way the Dodgers lose if they win tonight. Man, I'd love to see the Dodgers lose, though, because I always like seeing the Dodgers lose. But then I can go with anybody but the you Red know why? Sox, you know which, why? Is, which is kind of nice, David, as you can tell. Why? Because any day that ends in Y is a good day for the Dodgers to lose. 
<laughs> yes. Yes, I completely agree. Well, you know, elimination games are always fun. So uh, enjoy watching the game tonight. Uh, David, excited to work with you again in the regular season coming up. And uh, we're going to put together one heck of a broadcast. Thanks for jumping on with us. Appreciate it. Have a good time. And if you see any, you know, other Travis Russ in the world, see if they're available. I'll do my best. Thanks, buddy. See you. There you go. That's our good friend David Locke, of course, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. His uh, his appearance on the big show brought to you each and every week by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. We are here. We are hanging out with our friends at Homey. Uh, we are at uh, Silicon Slopes down here at the uh, Salt Palace. And people are cleaning up a little bit, but the blimp is still here. We are still here, Katie, and we're still getting the word out about Homey. Yeah, we're still getting the word out about Homey. The event has dwindled down but we're still sharing about homie and it's been really neat to be able to talk about how um homie came to be and how i've been telling a lot of people about my story about how i came to homie and it's kind of cool to have the zone here because you guys are why i'm here we're part of that story story, yeah but it is a cool story yeah so i mean um i used to be a traditional agent and i kept hearing johnny um our ceo on on the zone with you guys and the more and more johnny was talking the more and more i kept thinking man I actually totally believe in what they what they're doing over there. I totally believe in and keeping equity in people's pocket and it's changed so much over the past 20 years. Um, and so um, why hasn't the way we paid our agents changed? And and um, it's become so much easier to do real estate. And so how do we how do we make that better? And Homie has found a way. And that's why I'm here. And that I'm here because of the zone. And so it's been really cool to come full circle and to, to be talking with you and um, helping people save money. Well, you mentioned, Johnny, and, and not only can people save money and it's a better way to do it and all that, but you guys are a great company. Johnny's awesome. Everybody we've come in contact with is, is just really, really cool, and it's it's a good way to do it, I guess. Yeah, we've got a great team. We um, had uh, uh, our chief product officer here. He uh, talked during our product um, track, and it's been really neat to hear his story about how he came from Redfin to Homie and um, and how he, he believes in the mission. And it's been really neat to be able to have such an amazing company with amazing people here that really do believe in making home ownership easy, accessible, and affordable for all. Buy, sell, finance. Uh, we're talking about homey title, homey loans, homey cash, which you guys are really excited about, which uh, will get your offer, what, three times more likely to be accepted. So that's a huge deal. You guys can help with all of it. Yeah, for sure. We're here to help make your home ownership dreams come true, whether it's buying, selling, or refinancing. We're here for you. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Jay and PK. Time to welcome in former BYU wide receiver Dylan Colley. Do you find Baylor to be a little bit of a mystery? It's definitely a mystery, and that's only because of their new offensive coordinator. Who's the one that's actually calling the plays? Depending on how many times they fake the jet sweep, you'll have a pretty good idea of who's calling the plays. So you're saying Grimes likes to fake the jet sweep a lot? Yeah, I'm not sure if you were able to watch 2018, but I probably faked the jet sweep about 1,500 times. <laughs> well, you got yourself in shape then. <laughs> oh, I was in shape. Sideline to sideline, <laughs> hey, they had to respect your speed. No question. What did it say about no you? Question. I think it said good things about you. Let me tell you, it was a tough one. When I did get it, though, it worked out. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Show. Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live from Alice, hanging out with our friends from Homie for Silicon Slopes. Uh, we're going to keep the football train rolling. We're going to hear from uh, DJ and PK as we'll continue on the second part of what's going on, checking in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. They had Lincoln Kennedy on, of course, Lincoln of the Pac-12 Network. He's on the Raider broadcast as well. He's a Raiders legend. He joins DJ and PK weekly. And uh, we thought I'd let you hear that. They start off, uh, DJ kind of jokes on what exactly to ask Lincoln about uh, this week. I, I'm, I'm honestly still trying to process what I found out in the last 48 hours. Actually, go back to the beginning of the weekend. Um, you know, first of all, not that it's, it's part of it, but, you know, my, my flight on, uh, to go to Las Vegas was canceled by Southwest Airlines. So I was part of one of the 2,000 flights that were canceled over the weekend. So I had to drive to Vegas from Phoenix, which is about a four-and-a-half-hour, five-hour drive, back and, and back after the game. Uh, it was an, an abomination of a performance by the Raiders. Lost what I think is a, a pretty decent Bears team. All compounded with this information. So it was trying to process everything. And then yesterday, hearing the, 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 the remarks and the stuff, the rest of the emails that were shared between Bruce Allen and, and Rich, I mean, not Rich, John Gruden, um, it's been a little overwhelming. I, I, I worked for both of these guys. Bruce Allen was the team president when I was playing at the Raiders. Part of the reason they got me over from the Falcons to the Raiders was Bruce Allen, along with Al Davis. And John Gruden was a coach and had probably, you know, four of my best years playing under his uh, coaching or in a sort of coaching tree, the people that worked around him. Never once did I see an inkling of the information that I gathered or I got from the emails or, you know, heard about over the last uh, couple of days. So this is all surprising to me. I don't know what to make of it. The first, you know, the first one we heard on, on Friday you know, the email about DeMarie Smith, the, the, the executive producer or executive director of the NFLPA. You know, I'm like, okay, well, you know, sometimes you have a little bit of slip up. Uh, and it was, you know, when he wasn't in the league. So, you know, Connie gave him a little bit of a pass. Didn't necessarily allow, but just, you know, wanted more information. Didn't have enough right now to make a, to, to make a, a judgment. And then the rest of them. And in this day and climate, uh, you can't have that. I mean, you've got professional organizations that are changing all of their, you know, uh, ideology. They're changing all their graphics and everything else to try to be more, quote-unquote, politically correct. You can't have homophobic slurs and, you know, and, and talking about people and stuff like that, like that, and racist slurs. You can't have that. You can't tolerate that. So with that being said, was really surprised last night when the news came down from Mark Davis and the Raiders that they're letting him go. Uh, but same point, understanding why they had to let him go. Yeah, in my mind, as I read through it, and I don't have a depth of it because it's happened so quick, but the, just the headlines, basically, you, you ask yourself, does the punishment fit the crime? And at least for me, and it's a personal opinion, so take it for what it's worth, but I think the answer is yes. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I, I think it is yes, and I think it is, you know, what, what you have to... It's part of the times. You know, the, the fact is, is that we're trying to become a better country, I guess, and we're trying to focus on things that for people for a long time people just let slide and allow, and it's created some, 
you know, uh, some separation and respect. And, and, and we, need, we don't need more hate out there. We need more love out there. We need more kindness and happiness and tolerance, if you will. Uh, so, you know, having these remarks made by somebody who's in a very visible position uh, and one of the more, you know, popular, uh, iconic teams in professional sports, just professional sports alone because it's the entertainment, you, you can't have that factor, you know, hovering over someone's head. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, joining us. I think the, um, you know, I think the next chapter, the bigger story to look at here is the league will punish players and the league will punish coaches, but will the league hold owners accountable the same way? And I read some stuff about that last night, you know, the 650,000 emails, and there are people who believe it just stretches the bounds of credibility that these weren't forwarded and commented on by a lot of people, and the toxic workplace goes back to Dan Snyder. I will say on Dan Snyder's behalf, and I can't say I can't believe I'm saying anything on Dan Snyder's behalf, but he's not likable, and there are people who want to crush him for that. Now that aside, maybe he's not likable because he's said and done a lot of stuff in the way he's treated people and what he's overlooked. Do you think the NFL is sitting on info? about him because clearly stuff was selectively leaked about Gruden to make Mark Davis make a decision and make a move and get rid of Gruden. Yeah, you know, when when the whole Washington football team changing its image, getting away from the Redskins and trying to find a new, you know, mascot and everything else came out, you fought, you heard about all these stories about Dan Snyder and his relationship with women and the toxic environment that he created within, you know, the, the Washington football team's organization. And, and then you heard about the possibility of pressure being put on by Roger Goodell and the other owners to maybe relinquish his ownership rights of the team. And I've always been with the mindset, like, how are you going to force somebody to sell something? You know, but at the same point, I'm taken back to the time um, when the, the Benson, who owned the, the Saints when he was still alive, that they were unhappy with the way he was running the organization. They thought he was running the ground, and there was there was speculation and rumors out there that they were going to try to get it from under him. And then Hurricane Katrina had happened, and you know they they, they, they the NFL wanted to make sure that they gave the the people of New Orleans something to to look forward to. And of course, the Saints ended up winning the Super Bowl, but that's another conspiracy theory for another day. But long story short. Um, when it comes to Snyder and other owners, I'm always curious on how they're going to force the hand of powerful men or powerful people or powerful conglomerates like that. Um, but there's a way, there's a way, will, there's a way. Uh, they find, you know, I, I think they, they can get things done, especially when you look at well, Buffalo. It's a completely different situation. But the Buffalo Bills speculating that they might go to Canada or move elsewhere, how it was able to find some ownership to be able to keep that, that team in Buffalo for the time being. Uh, things like that have happened in big big business it goes on behind closed doors all the all the time we just as a general public have a hard time figuring out how it happened or why it happened uh and, and see if, if that it can happen again what coach gruden wrote was obviously we agree unacceptable we believe the punishment fits the crime and all that stuff Apparently. i'm wondering through your years of experience and interaction with uh dozens and probably hundreds if not thousands of people had you heard anything any inkling at all regarding Gruden with those words, did actions meet the words? Because words are words, and it's not good. I'm not condoning it at all. But you'd have to think action would be worse than the words because then you're putting it into play. So do you know of any instance where anybody has anything to say regarding his actions connecting to those words? Honestly, no. 
Honestly, no. I've, I've had my time in dealing with Gruden. I thought that we were pretty cool with one another. We were always on, you know, high speaking terms. I never got an inkling of a feeling that, that he felt that way. Never. Never saw anything, never heard anything, never felt anything. Uh, so that's why it was so surprising. You know, in a number of emails, and then, the, 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 you know, the things that, that were shared. Him and Bruce Allen, as I said at the top of the, the interview, I, I worked under those guys. Right. You know, and never had a sense, never had a feeling that way. Now, guys will be guys, and I will say this. It's not excusable, but, you know, there was a, there was a time in my life, in my 50 years, where I've used some of those words. I'm not a saint. I've used some of those words. And it, I don't think it necessarily meant it in, in a, I mean, I've used them in a the context or a place in which they were talking, and this is just what you know, people do at times. Yeah. Not saying it's excusable, but you would expect better, you would, you would expect better out of people who are in positions of power or positions like that. Now, Gruden, mind you, at the time when he sent the emails, was working for ESPN as an announcer. I don't know if he ever planned on getting back into coaching again. But the fact that he sent them to a team website or a team email, the Washington football team, made it public. He had to realize that this was going to be public or things that were done in the dark or eventually come to light. And the fact that the, you know, the, the, the New York Times and the NFL was you know, uh, investigating Dan Snyder, so that's one of the reasons why they were going through these things, you, know, you had to feel or had to, suspic- had to have the suspicion that eventually they would come to light and hurt you and bite you in the ass, and, and that's exactly what they did. So obviously the football part is not even remotely close to the most important part of this, but the football will go on and people will wonder about it. Is this Raider season shot? Can this be a playoff team? They had a bad game in Game 5. I don't know how much this was known inside the organization and how much that played a factor in a performance that didn't look nearly as good as some of their other performances. What do you think? Well, I will say this. Um, On the football side of things, I think it's actually good for the team because here's what I've, I've thought for forever. I wanted Gruden to relinquish play calling as the offensive coordinator, mainly because I wanted somebody to take the emotion out of it. I thought that Gruden wasn't able to see the field clearly, being down on the sideline, calling it from the sideline, and no other coaches do it. But I've always been of the, of the mindset that an offensive or defensive coordinator needs to be upstairs, needs to see it from a bird's eye view like I do as an analyst calling the games and take the emotion out of it. Call the game logically and what you see with the flow from your vantage point. You can't do that on the sideline. So if there's one promising sign that might come out of all this, Derek Carr and Roman know this offense, also know this offense um, back and forth. Uh, if anything is to be had from this, it's the possibility that you – you get the play caller upstairs to be able to see everything, which might bode well for the offense because they do have weapons, and this is a talented team. They were incredibly flat this past Sunday against the Bears. I don't know if the, if the information that they heard about the, the email or the possibility played into that, but they were incredibly flat, no rhythm. And, of course, you always, I, I always give credit to the other side because those guys get paid too. Chicago Bears came in with a great game plan game plan. They ran the ball down the Raiders' th- uh, throat. They were more physical on both sides of the ball, and the Raiders were soundly beat. That happens. There you go. That's Lincoln Kennedy of the Pac-12 Network. He's also on Raider Broadcast, which of course you can hear 
every single week right here on the Zone Sports Network. Lincoln, uh, of course, does those games alongside the great Brent Musburger. Fantastic broadcast, must listen to. And Lincoln joins DJ and PK every single week. We're live here from Silicon Slopes down at the Salt Palace, hanging out with Homie. We'll have more for you coming up next on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. It's a trip to the Lone Star State for the Cougars as BYU heads to wake up for a massive showdown against Baylor as the Cougars look to knock off a future Big 12 opponent. Catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with the postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friend that said Marley's Gourmet Sliders, whether it's a classic Rickster, Killer, Handsome Raw, Pastrami, Fajita, or Killer Breakfast Burritos. Oh, and don't forget the best chewstring fries out there. Marley's Gourmet Sliders will satisfy any hunger just off I-15 inside uh, Timpanogos Harley-Davidson. That's Marley's. We also want to remind you about the Snowmobile Show. Uh, come see the latest in sleds, trailers, and gear Friday and Saturday, October 15th and 16th at the Mountain America Expo Center in Sandy, the snowmobile, uh, Utah Snowmobile Show. Um, we might have to get into this a little bit uh, more tomorrow, but uh, USA Today released uh, the uh, salaries for college football head coaches. And it is just remarkable, the dough that these coaches are being paid. But uh, Kyle Whittingham, by the way, uh, checks in at number 16. Coach Witt uh, making, let's see, $5.2 million. And these are head coach's salaries, I believe, for 2020. Uh, so uh, Coach Witt, number 16. Uh, that's that's respect. Uh, Blake Anderson, by the way, for Utah State, making a cool million dollars, uh, comes in at a tie for the 86th highest paid coach uh, in college football. But uh, the top ten's ridiculous. Get this. We'll just run right through it real quick. Then we'll tra- talk to our friend uh, Katie from Homie. But Nick Zabin, <clears throat> number one, $9.7 bucks. Ed Ogeron, number two, at $9 million in change. That's not going to last for long. David Shaw. At number three, $8.9 million. Dabo Swinney at number four at 8.3. Lincoln Riley at five at 7.6 uh, of Oklahoma. Of course, Dan Mullen of Florida at 7.5. Jimbo Fisher at seven at Texas A&M at 7.5. Kirby Smart at eight at Georgia at 7.1. And Ryan Day, number nine at Ohio State at 6.6. And Gary Patterson at TCU at 6.1 million dollars man that is a lot of big dough you know i'm uh old enough to remember when the head coach at utah and football and basketball was making in the hundreds of thousands of dollars uh certainly not what coach witt's getting now at 5.2 so lots of big dough being thrown around in uh, college football that's for sure so the the coaches list and their compensation uh, is out there and a lot of these coaches are making a lot of money all right we are live today at uh, the Salt Palace, hanging out with our friends at Homie, and it's uh, Silicon Slopes time, but uh, 
not much longer. It looks like everybody's packing up. Everybody's packing up, ready to go. It's been a great. It's been a great summit. It's been great to talk to everybody and great to tell tell all about Homie about Homie Cash. We had the blimp here. We're really excited to bring that blimp back this year for halftime. So keep a lookout for that. Please tell me you don't have to drag it across the street tonight. Yeah, we do. Oh man, really? Yeah, it'll be fun. You know, Lloyd just said he'd be happy to do it for you. <laughs> we actually tried to get your attention on Tuesday. We were like making some faces. Hey, in the- <laughs> were you really? Oh, that's funny. I wish I would have. Seen I'll be watching from up that's here. That's hilarious. As you bring it back. that's that's nice of you, Lloyd, to offer to do it. That really is because you know, and it's it is raining outside. Uh, but uh, listen, it's it's awesome that you guys are getting the word out because what you do is is really really cool. And I know you're really excited about this homie cash. I mean, you do a little bit of everything. You're making it even better. Yeah, for sure. And we're really just trying to simplify the process and making sure that homeownership's easy, accessible, and affordable for all. And one of the pain points for buyers is getting beat out by cash offers. And so we found a way to make your offer a cash offer. So head on um, over to homie.com slash cash, and we'll be able to help you out. We'll get a loan officer and get you taken care of. Love it. Not, not only are you guys blowing up and, and getting bigger, but you're doing it better. You're figuring out, you're adding stuff all the time. Yeah, and we are having a great time doing it. Like, who else gets to drop cash at a jazz game? That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. You get to do the remote control with the blimp ever? No, nobody's let me do that. Why not? No. You're a big deal over there I at home. You should deal. have you should have sway over the remote control for the blimp. I do get to put stickers on every dollar bill. So when you get that okay. dollar bill, you'll know that I For that job alone, you should be able to control the remote control for yeah. the blimp. That's what I Walking think. Walking out of the bank with a duffel bag full of of $1 bills is a really good look. So Oh jeez. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> even think about that <laughs> seriously kid, watch yourself they're, they're probably thinking like oh i wonder where she's going <laughs> it's for the blimp i promise i swear it's all for a good cause <laughs> <laughs> i have to do this for work i promise no but it's cool you guys uh, in your partnership with the jazz and and really lots of, uh, of folks in the sports world is awesome i mean you're you've always treated our listeners so very well yeah we love zone listeners i'm a zone listener my husband's his own listener. He's listening now on his way to on his way to Moab. I know your your husband uh, Kyle will always drop out uh, drop in on my Twitter feed every yeah. now and again just to <laughs> let me know how it is, yeah. which I always appreciate. <laughs> I'll keep it real with you. Yeah, yeah. No, you guys are great, and and homie's great, and it's been a lot of fun being down here today. Thanks for coming. You're the best, Katie. Thank you. Thanks. All right, more next ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone.